Um, well, again, it's, it's always an honor to be with you guys in person or virtually. Thank God we have technology <laughs> um, and we're able to join together in community. Um, and I'm really excited for 2022 um, to see just the miraculous things that God is going to do that he has done and will continue to do uh, if we remain faithful and continue in community um, together. So as uh, Shaq said, we'll be looking at Exodus 14 uh, this morning. And I thought it'd be helpful because it's been a little bit since we've looked at Exodus together as we took a break for Advent leading up to Christmas. Um, so in October and November, we started walking through the book of, of Exodus as a community. Um, and we looked at how God called Moses um, and prepared him throughout his life uh, to go on a journey to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, we saw how God spoke to his people through miraculous signs and wonders and still does that today. Uh, how Pharaoh's heart continued to be hardened and his pride led uh, to impact the livelihood of an entire nation, right? Um, and ultimately, though, God never gave up on his people. They leave Egypt. And that's kind of where we pick up in Exodus 14. The Passover happened. They left Egypt along with the Israelites were some Egyptians, I might add. Uh, they weren't all just Israelites. They were God-fearing people. And so God's kingdom has been uh, Israelites and Gentiles throughout all of history. Um, and God led them from Egypt to the wilderness to the Red Sea. Uh, as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so that's kind of where we pick up in Exodus 14. We're going to start in verse five. So if you have a Bible or your phone, use the Bible app. Uh, we're starting with Exodus chapter 14, verse five. When the word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all those Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers and his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near Pihahiroth and across from Beelzephon. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? 
Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been leading the people of Israel, moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. Then the cloud settled between the Egyptian and Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and Israelites did not approach each other all night. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horsemen, chariots, and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before the dawn, but just before dawn, the Lord looked up on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of sea of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. That is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore when the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed against the Egyptians. They were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come to you today and ask that we would feel your presence. Make your presence known to us. May you speak through my mouth uh, and carry it across these waves um, and technology and change our hearts and our minds so that we may be more of a reflection of you. Transform us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was silent for like 20, 30 seconds. Um, it was a little awkward. You might have thought, oh no, is my volume not on? Did Amanda's sound go off? <laughs> uh, we don't like silence. I remember learning in college how to lead a small group Bible study, and my professor was always like, sit for a really awkward amount of time. And everybody hated it, right? Um, but people need time to think. Silence is okay. And God calls us to silence, 
uh, in lots of different ways, it slows us down. And so today, I want you to get comfortable with that. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being silent, not talking, um, not having control. Get comfortable with having faith as our most powerful weapon. It just might be the start of a lifelong journey for you. Uh, the author, John Mark Comer, in his recent book, Live No Lies, it's a great book, you should read it, uh, makes this statement. This is the human journey, the exodus from slavery to freedom, with Jesus as our new Moses. Jesus' offer was and is to rescue and deliver us from the prison of sin and self, to lead us to a new land, a new life. The exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea are, is this epic rescue, right? And it's a great rescue that we need to look at three things within. From what are we rescued? Who does the rescuing? And to where does the rescue lead? So from what are we rescued? Who does the rescuing? And to where does this rescue lead? So from what are we rescued? At first glance, we'd probably say slavery, right? Because the Israelites, they'd just been liberated from 430 years of physical bondage in Egypt. Generations upon generations <laughs> in physical slavery. And you, we'd be correct at face value, but let's take a deeper dive Look at verses uh, five through eight in Exodus chapter 14. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done? Letting all these Israelite slaves get away, they asked. So Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, with each with its commander. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. Pharaoh realizes he lost his entire labor force. <laughs> and this would have a great impact on his rule as king. Everything about it would change. His economy would crumble because the labor force is no longer there and his power would come to an end. So what does he do? He chases after the Israelites to regain control and capture them. Verses 10 through 12, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? <laughs> why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. So the Israelites do the only logical thing possible in this scenario, and they panic and start blaming Moses, right? They don't have the physical resources like Pharaoh does to do much else, really. They can't send all their chariots and charioteers uh, towards Pharaoh. They can only start worrying. They have these anxiety attacks, I'm sure, and they start berating Moses. 
And I read these verses where they're saying, leave us in Egypt. Didn't we tell you this? And I was like, I really don't remember them saying this. Is this true? Uh, So I went back a couple chapters and it's actually, their reaction was quite the opposite. (laughs) Uh, If we can look at chapter four in verse 29 through 30, it says, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites and Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people and they believed. And when they had heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down in worship. This is a very (laughs) drastic response opposite than what they're saying now. (laughs) And now they are physically freed, right? They have, they've survived hundreds of years of physical bondage, and now they have this liberation. And yet they're saying, take us back to Egypt. They were physically free, yet in bondage emotionally and mentally. Bondage has layers. Slavery runs deep. Objectively, they were free, but subjectively, they were enslaved in their hearts. And the same goes for us today. We're free in all sense of the word because we live in the United States of America, but enslaved in lots of ways. Many of us struggle with a belief in works righteousness. Telling yourself you're accepted isn't good enough. You have to do something to earn your salvation. We're a slave to sin. There is sin that consumes our life, whether it's greed, pride, idolatry, pornography. Maybe it's a sin of omission, something that just brings you great shame because you didn't do it. Or we replace God with things, idols, money, security, relationships, family, technology. Tell me you don't constantly have to have this piece of technology on you all the time, your phone. When it vibrates or buzzes with an alert, do you not get a visceral reaction (laughs) that you have to look at it? I would argue we're enslaved by it. Now, many of these that I listed, you're probably like, Amanda, I, I do. I know all these things. I would say like a lot in our faith journey, we know (laughs) but we don't know because we don't live differently. Now, bondage and slavery, like I said, they're, they have layers and they're really complex. And I am not naive that it's often tied to trauma. And I know many of us here have experienced trauma in our past, but God wants to free you from that. He wants to lift and release you from all the shame and worry and weight that you carry. He doesn't only desire for you to be freed physically, but he deeply desires for your whole life 
to be free physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. It's often though when we're triggered by something, when we feel out of control, we begin to believe like the Israelites that we would be better off in Egypt, the land of the enslaved. Life was, is just too hard in this moment. So just take me back. It's easier. I know it. Even though I was enslaved, I'm more comfortable in it, right? It'd be easier if I just kept my secrets hidden. Easier if I hoard all my resources. I'd be freer if I was in control. And Exodus 14 isn't the only time the Israelites say this. Two chapters later, they say again, wouldn't we be better back off in Egypt? We have so much to learn. Second Peter 2.19 says, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. God desires to free his people, you and I, just like the Israelites, from whomever, whatever has mastered us. John Mark Comer, again, from Live No Lies, says freedom isn't about autonomy from authority, but about liberating, loving relationships from sin. God doesn't just want physical freedom for you. He wants to liberate and empower you physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. We have to be rescued from our sin and from ourself. So who does the rescuing? I'll give you a hint. It is the Sunday school answer. Congratulations, it's God, right? Again, this is probably an answer where we'd be like, yes, I know this, Amanda. A lot of the time we are not living this out though. We don't live differently. Exodus 14 is this clear demonstration of God's power and sovereignty in the Israelites journey. He ensures that it is. Without question, he makes sure that his power and might is what saves them. And that is clear. He's under no other authority, no other rule. Nothing controls him in this moment. He is the one in control. Even Pharaoh's army recognizes it in verse 25 when they say, get us out. God is fighting for his people. All of Pharaoh's possessions, even his firstborn son, his power, everything was stripped away from him. And yet he still tries to maintain control, right? He starts trying to chase after the Israelites again. And the Israelites, they're given their freedom. What they've been longing for for centuries. And yet they're miserable and panicking and think they'd be better off enslaved. They're just like, I surrender, right? Both parties exhibit pride and a sense of desire to be in control. Upon the Israelites' panic, frustration, and anger towards Moses, Moses makes this statement in verse 13 and 14. And it's this turning point that leads to this great rescue. It says, but Moses told the people, do not be afraid. 
Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. In another translation, it says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Both translations use this word still, harash. And it means to be silent, to let alone, altogether cease, speak not a word. In other words, Moses is saying, shut your mouth and watch what the Lord's going to do. Observe what he is doing. But put yourself in the Israelites' shoes, right? You're trapped. You see your enemy coming. You're at a body of water that you can't cross. And there are hundreds, thousands of you that have to get somewhere, <laughs> Again, might as well just surrender. It's a little too hard. I was actually reading this story with my five-year-old son, Abraham, before bed uh, one night. And he said, Mom, the Israelites were scared because Pharaoh was coming for them and they couldn't cross the Red Sea because they didn't have their bathing suits. <laughs> and I was like, yes, Abe, they didn't have their bathing suits. That's why they couldn't cross. But he was on to something. The Israelites were ill-prepared. But had they been prepared, I'm not sure this rescue would have played out the way it did. And we'll see, it's not God asking for us to be in control or be as prepared as we can. It's God asking us to trust and obey his orders. So the Israelites were unprepared and terrified right? We would have reacted. We do react the same way. How often do our circumstances not go like we don't, we don't like them. Our expectations aren't uh, met. We're overcome with worry and anxiety. And so we begin barking orders, (laughs) trying to take control. Worse yet, telling God what should happen. Nothing has shown me what a control freak I am until I started fostering. My husband and I have been foster parents for the past several years. And as a foster parent, you have all responsibility and no authority. You care and love and bond with these children 24-7, and yet... The hands that control the trajectory of their life are in a judge. I have no say at all for this child. And while fostering has been one of the greatest joys of my life, it's also been one of the largest burdens that I carry. And I try to carry it often and take control as much as possible. But I have to continually lay it at the feet of Jesus. So I get it. (laughs) I get where the Israelites are and the anxiety they're feeling. But when they start freaking out, see what Moses says. Just stop. Stop talking. Stop striving. Stop doing. 
and observe what God is doing. Richard Foster says, we aren't still so we can figure out what to do. We are still so we can see and hear what God is doing. Or N.T. Wright, it is only when we slow down our lives that we can catch up to God. Rich Velodas in uh, his book, A Deeply Formed Life, states the ways of slowing and silence are a steadfast refusal to get caught up in the pace, power, priorities of the world around us. We are called to have our lives shaped by a different kind of power, pace, and priorities offered to us by God. The Israelites had a hurried pace. I mean, they thought they were going to die, right? (laughs) Understandably, they have a hurried pace. They sought power in people and they set their desires as their priority. Do we not do the exact same thing in even far less life-threatening circumstances? When's the last time you were still enough to notice what God was doing? to refuse the pace, power, and priorities of the world and see God's pace, power, and priorities displayed. To be in awe of what God is doing in the extraordinary and ordinary. To recognize it's not about you. Do you have regular rhythms in your life to slow down and be still? I am a mom of three toddlers. It is hard to be still, (laughs) really hard. So I understand. But here are a few for you to think about and hopefully practice. A day of rest, weekly. We call it the Sabbath. Or slow scripture reading. There's something called Lectio Divina. You can check it out or I can give you resources. It's a slow reading of only one or two verses of scripture and you meditate on them. Silent prayer. Starting or ending your day with five, just five minutes of silence. Nothing. You don't talk to God. You're not trying to hear what he said. You just sit. When we're most comfortable with the people we love or have the closest relationship to, we can just sit in silence. And it's not awkward. It's actually this like form of love and bonding and comfort. These practices, habits, or disciplines, whatever you want to call them, right? They help you to slow down so you can stop idolizing yourself or the things or people around you and center yourself on the one true God who is in control and who does the rescuing. Lastly, Where does this rescue lead? Well, first they had to cross the Red Sea, right? So let's get through that. They had to go through these troubling winds and huge walls of water that I'm sure were spraying everywhere, right? And they, the walls, it says, surrounded them, right? They were these giant walls and it says it twice. Look at verses 15 through 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. 
notice that it is right and good to see striving because it's not about us having the power to accomplish it, right? And so we need to be silent and stop striving at times because it focuses our attention upward rather than at our navel. And we can then hear when God says, move. (laughs) And when he says, move, you move, right? Verses 21 through 22, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Can you imagine? Walls of water on each side and strong east winds. Exodus doesn't tell us what the reaction of all the people is as they're walking through. But I can only imagine just based on different personality types, like you have the person who's like, oh my goodness, look at what God is doing. This is amazing. Do you see how big that wall is? We're walking through on dry land. And then there's the people that are like head to the ground. Lord Jesus, don't let these walls come crashing down on me. Don't let these walls come crashing down on me. Right. But you know what? Both kept stepping. Both crossed because they had faith. Their faith might have looked different, but they had it nonetheless. It's not the quality of their faith that made them cross. It was the object of it. Verses 26 through 31. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again, then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. So the sun began to rise Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back to its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. The waters then returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. This is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power that the Lord had unleashed... Against the Egyptians, they were filled with awe before him. They put their faith in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The crossing of the Red Sea leads to new life for the Israelites, one of freedom from physical captivity into the promised land. Yet it would take them 40 years after this great rescue to reach the promised land. And spoiler, Moses doesn't actually even make it to the promised land. The promised land didn't come without great trials and hardships, but a new life, a life of freedom from captivity and bondage are offered to us as well. And it's no longer Moses as our mediator, but Jesus. In Hebrews 9.15, it says that is why he, Jesus, is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sin they had committed under the first covenant. When we recognize that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, there is no other way, no special formula, no perfect timing, no calculated response. It's only through Jesus we can begin to experience these layers of bondage being peeled away. 
We don't experience freedom because Pharaoh's dead or the enemy's dead. We experience freedom because Jesus is alive. But it isn't uh, easy. It is a journey, a journey through the wilderness. There's a reason why Jesus says to really follow me, you have to carry your cross. You have to suffer. You have to put to death sin and self. But it's a journey that he walks through with us on, just like God did in the Red Sea with the the people of Israel. God could have equipped the Israelites to build this bridge to cross the Red Sea or tell them go a different route, but he knew they'd get too scared or start thinking they could do it rather than him. There's only one person who receives any credit and it is God himself. The same is true for our life with Jesus. There's no bridge we can build to save ourselves. There's no other route we can take. Our only hope is Jesus. God is at work. He's actively rescuing his people. Do you see it? Or are we too hurried? We're not silent enough to hear it. Are we able to hear and see when God says, move forward? Are we too worried and frantic about our circumstances? I want you to take some time right now and sit silently and examine yourself and your relationship with Jesus. What worries, fears, plans, idols, people have your attention or control you. He wants you to sit with him in awkward silence and get comfortable and lay those worries, items of control at his feet. There is no shame in his presence, none whatsoever. So let's just take a minute and be silent together with Jesus. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet, or in other translations say, He will quiet you in His love. 
He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Let's pray. Gracious Father, um, we are in awe of this great rescue where you rescue your people and liberate them, but also want to see them liberated and empowered. And you want the same for us. So may we dive deep with you this year and get comfortable with the uncomfortable and slow ourselves down so we can see and hear what you are doing. We want more of you. Give us less of us. Tear less, tear, tear our sin and, and self away so that we can become more and more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.